0: Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. This morning, I thought we were this close to see the whole church jumping. We are right there, you know, t- t- tagging into something that, you know, you, you see, I saw generations ago, not saying that we can't get there, you know, but I think, you know, in our, you know, when, when God begins to move in a powerful way, you got to respond in a powerful way. Sometimes all you know how to do is to dance and to shout and to praise. And, and there's something that happens when you get outside of your comfort zone. How many of you shouted like you've never shouted this morning? That'll begin to break things off of your life that you know nothing about. You know, you begin to dance in the house, all of a sudden shackles begin to fall off that you came in with, and you leave feeling lighter. You know, there's things that we have to do in the natural that that cause things to happen in the spiritual all the time, and it's not just the hype of it, but it's the supernatural of it, okay? So just encourage you guys, this house is a place where we want you to worship in spirit and in truth. We want you to be free in this house. How undignified can you be? It's all just in the Word. It's good for me, right. We glorify God together. So this morning, we're going to look at uh, uh, the third part of our vision for 2020. The focus is going to be commission. Uh, as I was preparing for this part of of the vision, it was so hard not to dump jump right into the commission part when I talk about vision, because I, for me, it's one of the most exciting. It's one of those ones that uh, really has... A lot of significance, you know, and uh, so, so as we look at it, you know, we, we looked at the importance of our vision, of our mission, you know, how church culture, you know, causes the, the vision and mi- mission to be trumped. So what I mean by that, we can have a great vision, we can have a great mission, but if the cho- church culture does not support the mission and the vision of the church, it will never thrive, Church, so, so that means that the church culture is actually more influential sometimes than the mission and vision of the church. But let's say, what if we build culture to reinforce the mission and vision of the church? Then you have the ultimate success equation yeah. because you have the mission, the vision, and the culture all go in the same direction. Okay, so church culture is always how the church feels or how it behaves. You know, so our vision here at this church is to be a home functioning as the family, and our mission is to, is, is to bring all people into a real relationship with Christ by knowing, growing, and going towards God's given purpose. You're going to hear me, hear me reiterate that for a while. We have it in the bulletin again this morning. This is something that we want to get ingrained in our minds. We want to know that we are a church that always wants to move towards God's purpose. We want to know that, that you have a relationship with the Lord. And then once you have that relationship of knowing, then we want you to grow. And once you're growing, you know, then we want you going into all that God has called you to be and do. You know, we don't want to have stalled out Christians, we come to the salvation. We're super excited. Think about it. When you came to the knowledge of Jesus, you were so excited. You're like, yes. That's it. It was a quick firework, and that was it. I think God has called us to live lives of longevity, to be successful for as many years as possible as we have time on this earth to greatly impact the kingdom of God here on earth. That's what it should be. You know, I don't believe that there are any, there should, there should not be any passive Christians even though each of us, including myself, have seasons and have had times in our life where we've lived that, right? Lives of passivity where we just took the easy route. We didn't want to offend anyone. We didn't want to share our opinion. And if we look at culture today, it has greatly affected the condition of the church, the, 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 con, the condition of our country, the condition of our schools because of passivity, of people not speaking up when we should have. So now we're having to take back the ground that, that we've allowed the enemy to s- steal, because of that passivity, okay? So God is calling Christians to be proactive, to be involved, and he's, and he's worked this through the commission. When I say the word commission, what I, I want to reiterate this morning is, what in the world are we supposed to be doing in this lifetime? That's the ultimate question. What am I supposed to be doing? So once I figure out what I'm supposed to be doing, then I have the opportunity to either do it or still shy away and not do it. But the first thing i got to figure out is what are we supposed to be doing? What has God commissioned us to? What has He called us to? Okay? So we talked about, you know, last week the importance of connection, being a part of a local church community, not just inside the four walls, but outside the four walls. All through Scripture, it says that they continued to meet in each other's homes. There was continual community among believers. It wasn't just a group. It wasn't just a club. It was a family that, that pursued God with all of their hearts. It was a lifestyle. It wasn't just a religious tradition. You know, I know many, many people go to church just on Sundays just because it's what they do, but not necessarily because of who they are. It's just the right thing to do, you know. I hear, you know, people say, hey, you know, I'm a Catholic, I've always been a Catholic, I've always went to a church because I've just always went to church. It is just the the cycle, but not really, we don't know why we're doing it. It should be birthed out of a relationship with Christ that drives us to fellowship with one another, that causes community, and then causes us to impact the world around us. When all of these things work together, we can accomplish great things. So today I want to focus on what are we supposed to be doing with our time here on earth? You know, I know that uh, this this is going to cause you to be kingdom-minded a little bit, but realizing that our time here on earth will directly impact God's kingdom forever, you know, we have just this short moment here on the earth to, to impact or passively walk through it, but I believe that God's commission is more than, is, is, there, there's more at stake than just your salvation. Now, does that mean that your salvation is not important? Absolutely not. But God saves people and sets free people. What you receive, you can freely give, and that's a principle that I think the enemy does not want you to, to know this morning. He wants you to think that you're inadequate, that you don't know enough word, that you don't know what to say. Hey, you're not a preacher. Hey, you're not a pastor. Therefore, you're inadequate. So just be quiet. You ever heard that that voice in your head? Well, I don't know what to say. Well, what if I even talked about church? What would I do? What, I mean, I don't you know, you just you, we get real nervous. That needs to be something that that we begin to shift the way we do that, where that becomes commonplace. We're talking about our life. We're talking about our church. We're talking about our community because it's who we are. Okay? You know, so each of us have the potential to impact our world uh, with offering the greatest gift to the lost and dying world, and this gift is Jesus. You know, that is the one thing that we all have to give. Jesus Christ, he died for all of us. But that is one of the greatest gifts that you have at your disposal, if you have received salvation, you can share salvation. You guys realize that? You know, if you, if you are confused about what you received, let's reevaluate your salvation. But the gospel's simple, guys. It is not this over. God did not make it complicated where you had to be super sophisticated to figure it out. It says that the disciples were unlearned and uneducated, yet they did amazing things. They, they accomplished amazing tasks. But you guys, you got to remember, it's not us. It's God within us that allows us to be effective. All God wants you to do is to be willing. Whatever you say, I'll say. Wherever I, you ask me to go, I'll go. Whatever you ask me to do, I'll do. A willingness to submit to God and to be in that, in that position of just, God, use me. You know, if, if, if God showed up this morning and he was drafting people for his team, how many of you say, hey, 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 pick me, pick me? Or you're one of those that's like, oh, heck no, pick that guy. Yeah, I don't want to, you know, that's, that scares me to be, you know, I don't, it's going to require something of me. You realize that? It's going to require something of you. You know, when we, when we became Christians, it wasn't just to sit on the sidelines. It was to get in the game. It was to do something. It was to fulfill God's commission for you in this life. Okay, so let's look at this passage from Matthew. You know, so the last thing Jesus instructed us to do before he ascended to the right hand of God, you guys understand, Jesus is at the right hand of God right now, praying for each of us to be effective in this life. Asking the Father, anything we ask, he says, hey, Dad, hook them up. Hey, they need help with this right now. They need your help, Dad. Because all of the resources of God were given to Jesus, and all of the resources that were given to Jesus are now given to us. And we're going to look at that. So let's look at Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Starting in verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. The eleven disciples, right? Is who they were talking about? Verse 17, it says, They saw him, they worshipped him, but yet some doubted. It says, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And, as sure, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we have to understand that this is a great commission, it's a mandate for all believers. This wasn't just the 11 disciples that were there and he says, you know what, I was just going to limit it to them and they were going to, you know, impact the world just for a small moment and everybody else is off the hook. Because if the same grace, if the same salvation, if the same Holy Spirit that empowered the disciples was given to them and that same Holy Spirit lives inside of me and you, do you think we got a baby Holy Spirit and they had this big Holy Spirit? No, it's the exact same Holy Spirit inside of me that release them to be effective for the work of ministry. Effective work. Some of you say, well, I don't know what to do. It's okay, the Holy Spirit does. Think these guys had it all figured out? They, they received, because they walked with Jesus. They saw the miracles, they saw the signs, they saw the wonders, and now Jesus said, I'm leaving. And imagine the fear in that moment. Whoa, 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 no, 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 we, we need you. But he says, don't fret. When I go to the Father and I sit at the right hand of God, I am going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the teacher that not only will will be with you, but he will live within you. And he will empower you to accomplish all of these things that you need to accomplish. I'll take from the Father and, and I'll release those things to you by the power of my Holy Spirit. It was an empowerment moment. It was an equipping moment that they would be effective in all that God had called them to do. So we have to realize, guys, that there is a difference between a conviction and a mandate. So let's look at this quote by Larry Stocksdale. It says, a conviction is something we would die for in order to protect it. But a mandate is something that we would die for in order to advance it. But I think a lot of us just stop at that first part and we just protect the gospel. Hey, I'm going to fight for my, my Christianity, my life, whatever. But there is a difference between protecting and advancing. When we talk about the word commission, this is an advancing word. This is not keeping it for me and myself and I. This is sharing it to a dying world. This is, this is, this is taking what the Father has given to me and give it to the world. But when we talk about that, that, that word, the, the a mandate, when we talk about a commission, it is a mandate from God. You know, as we look at that, as we look at that passage, it says, Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven has been given to you. So he took that, and he says, "Therefore, go." Did he say, "When you want to, if it's convenient, uh, you don't really need to." But you know, if you know, if you're having a good day and you want to partner with, no, it was, it was not, it was not a, it was not optional. It was a mandate to go forward and to share the gospel. It was, it was, it was an advancing of the commission. What were they to teach them? To teach them everything that he had taught them, baptizing them, raising up disciples. You know, I think on that verse 17, it's really amazing to me that some worshiped, but some doubted. What was was that type of doubt that they were experiencing? You know, they had seen a resurrected king. You know, they were sitting there talking. Now, what was this? How, How at that point now, I don't know if they were looking at inadequacies within themselves. You know what? What was the what was the what was the issue there? Maybe that you know caused them to doubt. He raised to, from life, from death to life, just like he said he would. You know, we're, we're we're receiving this impartation of the authority of Christ, but we see shortly after this, any doubt that was there was removed when the Holy Spirit was given. Because if there was any doubt saying, man, I don't know, Jesus is leaving us. I feel abandoned. I feel like I'm alone. I feel like I'm going to fail without him. I heard what he said, but I don't believe it because I haven't seen it and I haven't received it. So that moment that God gets it, you know, that Jesus goes to the right hand of God and releases the Holy Spirit into the earth to live within us, I believe that any doubt that there was immediately went away because it caused a confidence and an empowering to be all that God had called them to be. So the word commission, it's an instruction, a command, or a duty given to a person or a group of people. But it's important to know what that commission is specifically. You know, so think of the, wor- the word commission as we all have a collaborate mission. We all partner together to accomplish the same mission. This isn't just for the pastors, teachers, preachers, like, it's not just for, for guys like me. That was never the point of it, but we, we, we settle for that, guys. We show up every Sunday, expecting, "Hey, Pastor's going to bring a good word." I hope I am, you know, but you know that, that we limit it to just that. Said, "Hey, come to church on Sunday, you know, Pastor will bring a good word." Well, you know, God has has deposited words inside each and every one of you. You can have a good word right at that moment if you allow the Holy Spirit to release that within you. You don't have to just come to church to find it. The Holy Spirit lives inside each and every one of us. Okay, so we all work together to, to strive to be missions. Mission-minded, and that is the third part of our, of our vision statement, where it says hearts of a servant, open arms, mission-minded, commission-minded, that we know we have a mission at stake. And then that E, that home acronym, the E stands for equipping and empowering. That's what it is all about, but there is a mission to, to accomplish, okay? So we have, to, we have to pursue our part with urgency, guys, you know, uh, some of you maybe know, some of you don't know, but uh, Belitha, she goes to church here, she was in a wreck, she was okay, but she could have lost her life. Now some of us, it's not a big deal till something catastrophic happens and now all of a sudden there's urgency, you know, like, oh, somebody's dying, they're on their deathbed. hey, okay, let's hurry up, we got to get to the hospital, we got to, why are we not living in that urgency all of the time? Because we have to understand how fragile life is and how short-lived our lives are. There has to be urgency to make sure that there is a relationship with Christ with those who do not know Him. Can we force salvation? No, but we can offer it and we can pour it out like a fresh drink. Jesus was talking to the woman at the well. He said, Pour me a drink, you know, and he started talking about, you know, well, I can give you a cup of water, and you will never be thirsty again. Well, what do most of us do? How is that possible? What kind of Gatorade is that? That I will drink it, and I'll never be thirsty again. But we have to understand, every time Jesus is talking about something natural, he's always tapping into the supernatural. He said, I will give you something that will sustain your soul, that will change your life, that will change those appetites, that will change those desires, that will take your heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. I will completely remove that from your life and give you a new one. You'll begin to love those things that I love. You'll begin to hate those things that I hate. It will be a supernatural surgery and and the dead man will die and the new man will rise. And this this is some deep stuff, you know, but God has given it to us. He's allowed it through his son. So this morning, let's give the word disciple a definition. Okay, because I think that that'll help us kind of clarify it a little bit. So when we talk about the, the definition of a disciple, it is a person who continues in God's Word until they experience freedom. We say, Pastor Noe, what do you mean freedom? Whatever you need freedom from. You know, when we, when we come to our knowledge of Jesus, there's sometimes baggage. There's things that we deal with. There's habits. There's things in the flesh that we got to deal with, that we continue until we experience freedom. And here's the passage we use to reinforce that. If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. And this is what the truth does. And the truth shall. That means it is an absolute, it will make you free. It will. It, it's a, it will do a completed work. It has the power to break any chain off of your life. Well, no, I've been dealing with something like this for a long time. I don't know how to break this. Maybe you're doing it in your own power. Maybe you haven't allowed the power of God to release that from your life. The power of his word to just wash over you. Guys, I'm believing sir, for some awesome stuff this, de- this year, even during worship. This morning, I went up with a worship team and I say, I, be- I-, I, come- I pray over you to begin to war in the heavenlies where you release supernatural power into the earth to break chains. You're like, why well, didn't even ask for the chains to be broken? No, but Jesus did it. His Holy Spirit loosed it as the power of God is released to his people. We saw this happen in the Bible times. We can ask for it today, and we can walk in it today. We don't want church just to be church as normal. We want to release the full potential of the power of God in every single service we come together in. It's all about what God wants to do. We make our plans, but God guide and directs our steps. And when he shows up, we get out of the way, and we let him do what he wants to do. At least that's what I'm doing. If you want to get in the way, good luck. Probably won't go well for you. You shall be made free. When it says go into all the nations, the the word nations is actually defined as people groups. So this is not just a global commission, but guys, I want to encourage you, this is also a local commission commission. What are you talking about? Local, you know, the the people, you know, people groups, people that you are around, people that are within your area of influence, your neighbors in front of you, behind you, next to you. You're like, I don't even know my neighbors. That's a problem. You know, I mean, bake cookies, make some muffins, do something how they used to do it. I guarantee you knock on that door and you're bringing food. They're going to let you in and say, hey, thank you. I got a lady next door. She's always bringing me stuff. She was going to bring me chicken and dumplings this week, but I was going to be out of town. I was heartbroken. I said, man, but Tennessee's going to be good. But, man, she just, throw, you know, but it's just like, man, anytime, anytime she comes knocking, hey, come on in. She's bringing, you know, she's, she brings cookies. She brings, you know, chicken and dumplings. I mean, she just, she just loves you know, and it has just where I have relationship with people all around me. We've got a new couple across the street. I got a vacancy on the right, you know, right side of me. I'm praying for great neighbors. You know, my kids are like, Dad, I hope they got kids. That's all they care about, <laughs> you know. That's what I'm talking about. People right in front of you, you know, people you work with, people that you're in relationship with on a regular basis, people groups that you can influence. When I talk about a local commission, uh, so each of you are strategically positioned around people groups that you have the chance to share the love of God with. And if you're around them enough, there's, there's going to come a moment where they're talking about a hard time, something they're going through, what they're mad about. I, man, I, I worked in the secular field for a long time before I was a pastor. And it, it, people just naturally will tell you all the problems they got, sometimes more than you want. It's like oh, it's a little too much information. Well, yeah, you know, just they can't. They got the I can't shut up syndrome. You know, they just keep just it comes out. But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will always speak. So when you're in those moments, God can give you supernatural discernment in how to speak to that situation. But how many of us kind of just say, oh well, I hope it gets better. Good luck with that. Have a good day, and you walk away, and you got one of the greatest gifts available. And say, well, you know what? Let me tell you about my testimony, or let me tell you about the God I serve, or let me tell you what this scripture says in the Bible. I don't know if you're a religious person, but I am, and, and here's what the word of God says, and, and then, you, then you open up a whole bunch of uh, possibilities and opportunities when you approach it that way. But most of us don't say anything, or we just jump in the negative boat with them, right? And then we start getting frustrated, and we start sharing all our negativity, too, and it's like, you think those things are of God, and that's the most spiritual response to that situation? Absolutely not. But those are opportunities to impact and influence th- those, those people groups around you. Some of you all are going to be in a bind this week because you're going to be in the exact same situation and you're going to have a hard choice to make now that I've challenged you this morning. I'm like, I can't walk away. I can't walk away. You're going to start sweating. You're going to start freaking out. You ain't going to know what to say. But you're going to know by the Spirit of God that you need to say something. And I pray that the Spirit of God would give you the words to say that would deal with the issue. You know, that's what I was, I was, I'm always surprised in the Word. Jesus always dealt with the heart issue. He didn't deal with what was on, on, the, on the external. He always went to the root. You know, and, but he didn't, he didn't just leave them in a broken configuration. He released healing also. You know, he says, hey, walk. You know, take up your mat and go. Hey, go and sin no more. You know, I think when he released those people like that, when he was done talking to them, they had the potential to live free. Did they continue to live in it? I don't know. But the choice was theirs to, you know, to, to once again, to never again carry that yoke of bondage or to pick it back up. He released supernatural power into their lives to radically change their lives. And you have that same power living inside of you guys. So I want to encourage each of you that each of you have what it takes to share the love of God with others Practically. But also sharing your testimony, the goodness of God in your life can lead people to the Lord. Proverbs eleven thirty 30, it says, the fruit of, righteous, righteous, of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. I don't know if that's on your radar, and I was like, man, I didn't know that that was a strategic game, right? You know, that that was something you should be focusing on. You know, what did Jesus tell his disciples? He says, hey, quit fishing for fish. He says, come with me. I'll teach you how to be fishers of men. There was a strategy, there was an intentionalness, there was something that had to happen for them to win souls. It wasn't a passive approach. You ever seen somebody fishing somewhere without a fishing pole and no line in the water? What's the likelihood of them catching a fish? What you doing? I'm fishing. Look at him. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm fishing. I'm trying to catch something. Hey man, it sure would help if you did, did it right. You know, it's like put the line in the water. You know, try to at least use something, you know, some type of bait. You know, you, you got you got to be very strategic, but I think God gives us that strategy in how to do that. Second Timothy four two. This was a charge to Timothy. In verse two, he says, "Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Uh, be prepared uh, in, in that. Be ready to correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction." Is what he told him. You know, he said. In season and out of season, now some of you and I'm going to catch the rest of you all in a minute. Some of you say, well, Timothy, you know, he was, a, he, was, he was involved in the church, he was a leader and he was commissioned to preach. Well, that's not talking about me. Now, I know in this house, God does have leadership, pastoral, apostleship, you know, all, all these gifts available on some of you in this house. And to, those, to the degree that God has blessed you and imparted things in your life is the degree, the degree that he holds you accountable I know there's some in this room that have the ability to preach and teach, and I'm not the only one that can preach in the house. If I am, I'm going to quit today because I'm going to need some help sometime. But there are those of you who he is calling you to preach the word to be ready in season and out of season. But he gives, he gives specific instructions, correction, rebuke, and encouragement. I take encouragement. I don't like correction. I don't like rebuke. But how do we know what is truth and what is not unless the word of God is preached? That is one of the biggest challenges our culture faces is absolute truth. What is truth? What is not truth? What's acceptable? What's not acceptable? What is God's standard? Hey, who cares about God's standard? We're making our own standard. I am God. You know, like, I mean, that's, that, that's the type of culture that we have built in these systems. So we have to preach an absolute truth, which is only found in the Word of God. How do we make sure we're preaching the Word of God? You better be meditating, reading, you know, studying the Word of God yourself, or you may get skewed a little bit by the culture you live in. I had somebody I was talking to the other day, you know, uh, going through some life issues and you know not living in a godly modeled lifestyle, and uh, said something was just like, "Well, you know," because and I, I, in love, I said, you know, I'm a pastor." I said, "That's not right." He says, "Well, you know, wasn't that Old Testament?" I said, "What about the scripture that said, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? You think all of a sudden in the New Testament God changed who He was? Absolutely not." So should, the respondent said, man, I didn't think about that. I said, yeah, I have. And that's why it's a big deal. You can't say that it, God's standard, you know, because what we're doing, guys, we're, we're building this religious system that under grace, everything is acceptable. You know, how can a God full of grace punish sin? Because he's just, but he's also righteous. You know, he has to punish sin because he said he would. Or that wouldn't, make, that wouldn't make him not God. We have to understand who God is entirely. We don't need to just pick the grace side of God and stay on that camp. We need to know the righteousness and justice of God also. We've got to have a balanced system because I believe God is a God of balance. You know, I've seen people that live sometimes too much under grace and don't ever hold themselves accountable to anything. But then I see some that are just overburdened when they sin or they mess up. They think it is over, and that's something that God has showed me. He says, son, it's not over till I say it's over. And every time you fall down, you have the ability to get up by my grace. So come on over here because you're busting yourself up with the law and what you think you can't do. But I'm going to release grace with mercy and mercy with justice and justice with righteousness and you will prevail. Because God is a God of balance and a God of order. He knows the beginning from the end. There's nothing that slips his mind or his eyes do not see. You guys understand that? This is the God we serve. He knows the situations that we're in. He knows the situation that our coworkers are in and our friends are in. He knows the solution. He knows the answer. He's already seen the answer. Before we do anything, he says, man, just start speaking. Just say something. Just, just love on them a little bit. Allow the love that I've put in you, just love, allow that love to be released to them as I begin to soften their hearts so I can do a work in their life. God really wants our cooperation, He really does. He wants us to co-labor with him here on the earth. 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16. So this letter was addressed to the Christians scattered throughout the Roman world. So this is everybody in the church this morning, okay? So if you want to get technically correct, this was talking to to Christians. This is what it says. It says, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Here you go. It's almost the same, but it's a little different. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect. Verse 16, keep a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So what is this saying? Man, know the hope you have in Christ. Be ready to say something about it. Somebody says, man... How in the world do you not cuss? That's a good, hey, you got an opportunity right there. Well, I'm just a good person. No, come on, give God glory. Maybe you used to have a cursing issue and God totally wiped that out of your mouth. You know, use those moments when people ask you, when they see something in your life that, that, that reflects the image of God, that we release that glory to God. It says, but in every moment, at every time, make sure that we can, we can speak of what God has done in our lives. Every moment. The hope that we have. Notice there it says the hope we have, not the conflict or not the difficult moments we have. Because we have those too, right? We all go through hills and valleys in, in this walk with Christ. But the hope that we have is that a redeeming Savior came and died for me. And that I'm a son of the King. That I wasn't good enough and I couldn't meet the mark. So God sent his one and only son to me to die for my sins. And the blood of Christ washes me from all unrighteousness. He purifies me and he adopted me as a son. He adopted me as a daughter. Was I worth it? Absolutely not. But he loved me when I was still yet a sinner. When I didn't have it all together. When I didn't look like this. You didn't always know me but I didn't always look this good, but it's because of the power and work of Christ in my life that I don't talk like that anymore. Are there days I want to? Oh, yeah, because the ugly comes out. Just be real. You know, listen, hurt your finger or get super mad about something, see what comes out of that heart. <laughs> Luckily, about 95% of the time if I ever hurt myself, I'm usually by myself. So it's, it's even more of a chance like, oh, and I hurt myself, so I can't blame anyone. Good and bad and the ugly comes out. But we see the grace of God working in our lives, guys, polishing those areas, continue refining our lives to be more and more Christ-like. But that's what we talk about. The hope that we have is in Christ. Notice it says, do this with gentleness and respect. Don't just go and be like, wham, backhand. You need to act right because I'm a Christian and you're not. I think that's what it's meaning, you know, to reprimand and, you know, actually judge. You know, I hate people say, well, they always just, but some of them do that. It's the backhand, you know, like just, you know, you shouldn't be acting like that. Well, you are if you don't know Christ. Sin or sin, guys. That should not be something that surprises us, and we should not be reprimanding someone for being what they are. Now, the problem is, is when we compromise in somebody who has been transformed by the grace of God, that we allow them to continue to look like someone who has not been changed. That's the disservice to God's power in our life, if we continually allow those things to, to, to be there. So in love and respect, in, in a way that's courteous, we do it in a loving way, by the grace of God, right? It says, keeping a clear conscience. So what does that mean? Don't get mad. Hey, we're not, we're not sharing this to get in an argument. I've been in those wars too. Or somebody's just fighting doctrinally with me or, you know, wants to have a Bible war versus what they know versus what, you know, trying to disprove who God is. It's like, my God's too big for you to do that. I'm not going to waste my time with it, right? You know, but with a clear conscience, because if you do nothing wrong and you respond correctly, they're going to get mad and they're going to be like, did you see Pastor Noe and what he was doing? And they're, and he'd be like, well, what did he do? I don't know. He just kind of encouraged me, loved on me, told me there was a God who, who sent his son for me, all this good stuff, and that, man, he loves me right where I'm at. Like, ooh, big time slander. What do you, you can't do it, anything with that because we did it in a way that kept my conscience clear before man. But sometimes if, we're, if we go to war for our religion, sometimes we'll say things, we'll get mad and we'll just say, you know what, forget you anyway, why don't you just go to, woo? Slow down. You get mad, you get frustrated, the ugly comes out, and does that glorify God? No. Does it keep a clear conscience before that person? Absolutely not. And it almost destroyed your testimony. So we gotta pray for the grace of God in those moments because, man, there's an enemy of this world also that really wants to just bust you up. But we have to understand, big, big God, little bitty devil. Understand? Not this big devil, oh, till Jesus comes back, I gotta fight, oh, man, this, you know, if we really saw how unsubstantial the devil was, But in our mind, he's made this huge giant out of who he is, and it's really like a flea or two, you just got to get rid of him, okay? So the commission, it was not just for pastors and ministry leaders, it was a commission for all believers all over the world. So God has specifically placed each of us to impact and influence the world around you, okay? The people around you, so... How many of you guys in, a, in, the, in your workplace have been told not to talk, talk about politics and religion? I mean, that's like your, your corporation standard. Hey, don't talk about these. And how many of you know that they talk about everything else under the sun that they shouldn't be talking about? You would almost rather talk about politics and religion, right? It's like, man, how the heck do you skew that in a way, but I really believe the politics side, that's a whole nother monster. I ain't even going to go there. The religious side, I really believe that's the, that's the enemy strategy. to, Strategy, str- blah, blah, blah. strategy. Get the word right, going too quick, to eliminate your voice from the equation. Hear that? So that you, you obey the rules, so therefore you're silent about your faith, but you allow everybody to say everything else. Not that I'm telling you to break the rules this morning. Do it in a way that does not get you fired." He said, "Well, pastor, no, he told me, no, don't go there. Do it with a clear conscience, in a way that you stand up for what you believe, because if somebody's going to slander God to your face indirectly, I'd encourage you to stand up for him. Man I had this lady, you know, uh, man, it all, you know I never thought about it, but man, anytime somebody would use the Lord's name, she said, "Hey, what did he do to you?" Don't talk like that." And I was like, you know, it always caught me off guard. I was like, man, way to go. She's so bold. And I was like, but I never connected like what they were saying or what they were doing And every single time. It didn't matter, man, all the way across the break room, on the other side, hey, don't talk like that. What did he do to you? And so then they stopped and they're like, what did I say? They don't even know what they said, but you know, that's what I'm talking about where we make a stand when things are, con- because it's cursing the name of the Lord. Should be very offensive to most of us rather than just we're okay with that. If they're going to do that verbally, then I'm gonna reinforce my God and King also in a respectful kind of way. Right? So so we've been encouraged not to not to say things like that. So let's look how Peter and John replied to this type of pressure. Let's look at Acts 4, 18 through 20. Acts 4, 18 through 20. In verse 18, it says. Then they called them in again. So they were in the supervisor's office. They were in the manager's office again. You know, this was not the first time it happened. This wasn't something that these guys were like the Christian troublemakers, right? So this is what it says. It says, they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So this sounds kind of like the same system. They did not want them to declare in the goodness of God. They wanted them to remain silent. It was causing all kinds of issues, supposedly, you know. It was, it was causing all of this, this, these questions to be asked. So this is how Peter and John replied, it says, judge for yourself whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. And here's the home run verse that I really want us to look at. Verse 20. It says, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. A true transformed life, you can't help but it bubble out of you. You can't help but respond in a way that gives God glory. You can't help defending your faith when it's compromised. This was who they were. You said, man, we can't help it. It, it. We just, we can't shut up about it. It is, it, is, it is coming out of me. It is who I am, and, 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 I'm, and we're going to just continue to do it, whether you like it or not. Now, did they, was there a lot of consequences for their lot, in their life because of it? Absolutely. But they never compromised standing for what they believed in because they knew that they were commissioned by Jesus to do something very impactful, and they had to be intentional. This was not just a Sunday thing where at church they were like, yeah, praise God. This was, mo- this was every single day. Okay, so when we look at the Great Commission and we look at the words of Jesus closely, it says, all authority had been given to Jesus, and now he gives you that same authority. When we look at the, you know, different passages from Matthew 10, Luke 9, Luke 10, um, it talks about, you know, Jesus sending out the 12 disciples, sending out the 72 as they were disciples. Every time that they were sent out, they were sent out two by two. There was always a team. Nobody ever went by themselves. You know, and there's different reasons, you know, man, you know, two people travel together, one falls down, one can help them up. I believe they worked in teams so that they could cover each other, they could, you know, it was more strategic, there was covering, there was boundaries, there was all of those things in place. But they say they he sent them out two by two, he gave them all power and authority to drive out all demons. That word says all. It's, so what, what, what you're seeing there is an unlimited authority. Just like Jesus had, you say, man, how the heck did Jesus accomplish all these things while he was on the earth? He had unlimited authority from the Father. So then we see a transference from Jesus to the disciples that they were had the ability to heal and, and loose all, all demons. It says all demons and cure diseases. The commission was to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. That was what he told them to do. He said, preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. I really believe that that healing, that supernatural side, it causes people to listen. You're preaching the gospel, you're saying Jesus loves you, he can change your life, he wants to be a part of your life, and they're like, whatever. Man, they walk over here, puts hands on somebody, the lame immediately walk, and they're like, oh, wait a minute, we better listen to these guys. It changes the whole perspective. Did, it, did, they, did God receive glory from that? Absolutely. Now, some people thought it was witchcraft, some people thought it was through demonic influence, but it was by the power of God, but it caused people to pay attention. It turned people's attention to begin to listen instead of not caring what they were saying. It added to the credibility because that power was released. Also, when they went, it said, take nothing for your journey. It says, stay where you're made welcome, and and if that home is worthy of you, bless it. You know, I find that funny. You know, I don't know if they were walking around. They're like, ah, oh, nah, it's not worthy of me. Hey, house all out of order. Like, I mean, you know, oh, that's the word to use. If the house is worthy of you. So what that means is you pick the one you want to stay at. If they allow you in and they welcome you in, bless that home and let the peace that is on you rest on that home. But on the contrary, it says if they, if they reject you and they rebuke you, man, you know, or that city, that city as a whole just said, hey, we don't want to have nothing to do with you. It says knock the dust off your feet, which was a curse, an abomination to that city. And it says, for that city will be worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't know if you ever heard the story about Sodom and Gomorrah. It didn't go too well for them. But it says that when they were rejected to leave that. That's some serious authority. It also says that he sent them out as lambs am- among wolves. It says take nothing for your journey. It says don't take your, your walking cane. Don't take extra money. Everything would be provided for you. So this is utter confidence in, in God providing for them. Take nothing. man. You know, I mean, if, you left your, if, left, if you left your wallet and your phone at home, how many of you say, it's over. I don't know what I'd do. Can't buy nothing. Can't call nobody if something happens. And let me take your keys while I'm at it. Now you can't even walk home. You can't even drive home. You know, all of these things, you know, all of these securities and safeties that we want in our life, he said, leave all those behind and I'll provide everything you have need of. But he knew that it would be difficult. He said, he said I send you out as lambs among wolves. That is not a safe configuration. Luke 10, 16, it says, he who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me, but he who rejects me Rejects him who sent me. So is what he's saying. If they reject you, even my Father God in heaven takes it really personal because they have rejected him. And we know the other scriptures say, "What well, you reject me. When we get to heaven's gates, I will reject you and deny ever knowing you. But if you receive me, he will gladly welcome you into heaven. You know, there's heaven and hell at stake, guys. This is not something that is, I know we don't want to always talk about that because when I talk about things like that, you're like, yeah, it was a great sermon. I'm so excited, man. We talked about heaven and hell. Like that's not one of your like, hey, top five excited messages, but it's the raw reality of what we live in. If there is a heaven, there is a hell. Those who deny and reject Christ will go to hell. Those who, those who receive the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and surrender their life wholly to God will receive everlasting life and have a place made for them in heaven. We have to realize, guys, just because the church is full, just because the house is full, does not mean that the work is done. That's where our our, uh, mission statement, where it says bring all people. For us to bring people, that means we have to go out and we have to bring them to this place. We have to invite them to this place. It is an active thing. It's not just meeting together, it is bringing people actively, intentionally, being proactive. So each of us has a collective mission and a personal mission. And we can sum it up in two things loving God and loving people. You know, so this week, as I was thinking about the areas of influence within, just within our church, you know, it amazed me because we have people present in the grocery stores, the retail stores. We got doctors. We got plant workers. You know, we got moms and dads present in the homes. We have, we have teachers. We have youth, children. We got young adults. We got all of these people influencing the community. And they're all spread out. So we have a, we have people that can impact our whole community around us if you follow the commission. You know, there's places where you go that I, that, you know, that I can't go. You know, I believe teachers, man, you are in such an influential position. And, uh, man, I, you know, I don't know where it's going to go, but I was looking at something that Trump, Trump was trying to promote, a prayer in school document. Because teachers can pray whenever they want. Kids should be able to pray whenever they want. We shouldn't dictate when they can and when they can't. I say, oh. I said, all your ones that, you know, the spirit of the Antichrist, your ugly guys, man, they're gonna come, they're gonna hate that. But I said, man, those are the moves that God wants of, of, of releasing God back into those areas that we are that the world is striving to remove him from. But we have to understand that, you know, we have influence in all of these areas. We have opportunity around people groups in each of these situations to impact. You know, so uh, one of, one of the biggest testimonies we we got a lady in the church that she's a teacher, and one thing she says that's super impactful. She says, "It just so happens that I am a Christian who is a teacher, not a teacher who just so happens to be a Christian, because the priorities are right." When you understand that you're that you're a, a child of the king and you and you are commissioned with a purpose and a strategy you you take that 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 religious lifestyle of, and that relationship with with Christ and you impact those positions of where you are in the schools in the doctors offices in those plant work environments you know around those other kids you know around teenage friends around you know man we are impacting people but we're very influential, that's what it should always be about, we should be about the commission, first and foremost. Um, but that's what it's all, all about. Matthew 5, 14, it says, "'You are the light of the world, "'a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. "'In the same way, let your light shine before men, "'that, you may, uh, that they may see your good deeds "'and praise your Father in heaven.'" God has lit you as a lantern, a light in a dark situation to expose darkness. So the light of God's goodness and power should be seen all through our lives and it will cause the praises to be given to our Father in heaven. So light always exposes the darkness. You know, it is what opens blinded eyes to see God for who he really is. Did you guys realize that? It's that light that, that permeates from you. First John one five, five through nine. I'm gonna cruise on, you know, to shorten this up. It says, So God is light. It says, In him there is no darkness at all. Verse six if we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus, his son. And this is what it does. This is our testimony, guys. It purifies us from all sin. Verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Say, man, what is this testimony I have? Just quote that passage. Man, we all have darkness. We all are in need of light in our life. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive And when we seek him, we will find him. So the gospel, it's really simple, but we tend to overcomplicate it. And because we overcomplicate it, we tend to not share it because we make it too hard and too complicated. It's really, really simple, guys. So the Great Commission, it's really about taking God with us everywhere we go and giving him to the world. Giving him to those spheres of influence. You know, it's living out our relationship with Christ Monday through Sunday, It's not just coming to Sunday looking right, getting it all together and say, oh, it's been a great week, and your whole week has looked far from Christ like. But it's modeling that lifestyle Monday through Sunday. So allow him in your homes, your jobs, into your hobbies, into your meetings, into your holidays, even your weekends. So God is part of who we are, not something separate from us. He should be involved in our life on a regular basis. So the Holy Spirit now lives in us and causes us to be successful in fulfilling the Great Commission. His Holy Spirit enables us to speak to people boldly and effectively by, the power of, by His power that's flowing through us. So the Commission is always bigger than us, but we have to understand there's something greater in us than is in the world. It's the power of His Holy Spirit. Scripture says, he who wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. For those who are Christ's followers, we must deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow. You understand that's something we got to do every single day. We got to have more days that we take up the cross rather than saying, ah, I don't need to bear the burden today. I'll let somebody else do it. We get comfortable doing that, right? We're going to let the preacher do it. We're going to let the elders do it. We're going to let those who are gifted, you know, or let the praise team do it this morning. We each have a part to play and a part to contribute. But it had to be intentional, that taking up that cross. You know, taking up the cross says, it's not what I am comfortable with, but I choose obedience unto what God wants. Never had to do anything with what you're comfortable with. God will always mess that up in your life. He said, hey, follow me and I'll keep you comfortable, said God, never. He just didn't. He said, follow me. What's it going to cost you? Your whole life. Well, what am I going to have to do? Just follow me. Well, what about what? what do I do? What, today? Follow me. Well, what, what about tomorrow? Follow me. And day by day, we walk out this Christian walk in pursuit of Christ, becoming more and more like Him. It's really saying my life is not my own. I'm a slave to Christ, and this is really the heart. Of, this is the this is the heart of God. First Timothy two four says, "God our Savior." Verse four says, "Who wants all men to be saved." and come to the knowledge of the truth. We have to know that at the heartbeat of who God is, he loves people. He desires that none should perish. And if we have the same heart of Christ, we should have, we should have the same focus. So we're gonna look at, look at the, these, these four really, really quick, and we're gonna close. So how do you fulfill your commission daily? First and foremost, be led by the Holy Spirit. You're like, well, that sounds real, real simple, but are we doing it? So start each day. Ask the Holy Spirit to be part of your day. Before your feet hit the ground, say, Holy Spirit, help me. I can already feel it that that coffee ain't going to work. It's Monday and I don't want to go in. And I know I'm going to be around people. And Pastor Noe talked about really speaking up. I need your help, Holy Spirit. I can't do it without you. And then roll over and get out of bed. So allow him into your life to be a part of your day. You know, he lives inside every single one of us, you know, so he can empower you to be effective in fulfilling his, his daily commission. We just got to release him to do what he does. Quit get out of the way. Quit trying to figure it out. You know, I got to, I remember when I was in Mexico sharing the gospel with somebody. Well, we had a formula, like we were teaching of how to do evangelism, all of these things. Becky was there with me man, I, I guess I messed it all up. I thought I was doing a pretty good job. And she's like, you totally messed this up. There ain't no way this guy's giving his life to the Lord. That's what she's thinking. We hear the story later. She's like, you had all the points messed up. I didn't even think, it didn't seem like he was engaged. You know, you were all over the place. You didn't follow A, B, C, and D, which I'm usually a pretty orderly guy, so that amazed me that I wasn't that structured with it. And then, then you asked to receive, and he said yes. The Holy Spirit within me, was doing something I could never do. It didn't matter what I said, because he was already beginning to prepare the heart to receive. And that's what happens when we release, we allow the Holy Spirit to be, to, be, to be led by the Holy Spirit. So being led assumes that you're paying attention to the direction he's going. I'm following you, Holy Spirit, he's going that way, you're going that way. No, you're not following, you're not being led. Being led means you're paying attention. I do that to my children every now and then. I'll be walking in the store and they're distracted or whatever. So I'll walk, I'll just take a hard left whoo, and go this way and they like, they want to do that stumble step. And, Dad, I didn't know. Pay attention. That same thing, when we're led by the Holy Spirit, we pay attention to where he's going and what he's doing. If he says go left, go left. If he stops, stop. If he says, hey, just be silent, be silent. Sometimes he'll tell you to do that too. Don't say anything. Even though you're mad, frustrated, whatever. Some, you know, be led by the Spirit. Okay, so number two, build God relationships. So I'm not talking about building godly relationships. What I'm talking about here is build God relationships. God is going to put people in your life that are by God's divine appointment. And they're God relationships. You're like, man, this person, I hate their guts. I don't, I don't have anything in common with them. I don't know why they're in my life. They frustrate me to no end. And then God says, that's a God relationship because I care about that soul. My son shed his blood for that soul, and he uses you to impact their life. So look for God relationships. So relationships often allow a greater opportunity for the receptiveness of the gospel. We've heard the saying what? People don't care how much you, you know until they know how much you care. Build that relationship. Establish that relationship foundation so that you can speak into your life so when you speak, they Listen. If there's zero relationship, they probably ain't going to care. Now, they may, because I I believe that God's word still penetrates, but it's a lot more effective when there's a relationship already established. So ask God what relationships around you to cultivate. So that causes you to get out of your comfort zone a little bit, right? Because we're in those relationships that we're always around. You know, be looking around, say, God, what relationships are you asking me to build? What God relationships do you want me to establish? Number three, share the good news with your sphere of influence. Share the gospel with your sphere of influence. I didn't put if you want to. I didn't ask if it was convenient. I said do it. It was the same commission. It was the same command that Jesus gave you. You know, who are around you that you can influence? Okay? Individuals are more open to the gospel when it's presented through that relationship. So it's that same thing, your sphere of influence, people that you're around, people that you're stuck at the computer desk with and they can't leave. They got to listen to you and you got to listen to them sometimes. Right? The sphere of influence, paying attention to those people that are around you and being intentional about sharing the gospel. Share the good news. How many of you know sharing sometimes requires talking? Well, I'm just going to live it. It's okay to live it. But what does that scripture say? Be ready when they ask you, why do you act like that? Well, because my mom spanked me a lot and I just you made me a good person. no. My mom had some stuff to do with it. She believed in that. Don't, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. I broke that spanking stick in for all my siblings. It's not what it is. It's something bigger than that, okay? So be able to tell that, hey, not just because I'm a good person. Hey, man, because God changed me. And then just allow your testimony, allow stories from your life to just come out of where God receives glory, okay? Number four, give so give to a cause that's striving to accomplish the mandate from God to save souls. So, so what am I talking about here? You know, sometimes we can't go, you know, globally. We can't go to places where, we, you know, we can influence, you know, but we can give. You know, so in this church, we give 10% of all of everything we bring in to missions or to organizations that are actively being involved, uh, accomplishing this mandate from God. We're pretty strict with that. We say, you know, if it is not profitable, if, it's, if, it's, if they're not impacting lives, if they're not seeing souls saved, if it is not fertile soil, we do not want to invest in those. So as a pastor and elders, we are continually evaluating those things. We want to be investing in good soil, but give to something that is impacting the kingdom of God, okay? Um, you know, when you, when you give, do you realize that you play a part in the harvest, you know, you may give one dollar, or you may give a million. It doesn't matter what you give. Anything you give in that direction helps in the harvest. They all play a role from the scattering of the seed to the to the drawing up of the harvest. Whatever it may be, there's always still an impact. There's that passage I didn't didn't share, but it talks about you know that it's harvest time, and it, you know, and to me it's it's such a uh, You know, there's, you know, we've talked about, you know, a lot of stuff, you know, coming on as pastor, you know, names, names mean things, right? You know, we've talked about, you know, changing the name of harvest time. What are we doing? Does it reflect what we do? When we say harvest time, that is implying that there is a harvest, but now would be the time. And I believe that is the commission that God has for us right now, that there is a harvest, the fields are plenty, but it says that the workers are few contribute, be a part, if you can give, if you can give, if you can go, go, if you can be a part, whatever whatever God asks of you, please do it. So I think when you say the word harvest time, being mindful that the field is ripe for harvest, but who will really do the work? You know, when they bring in the harvest, everybody's all hands on deck. It's the most critical time. Sometimes, you know, maybe the rains come and maybe you just have a small amount of time before that crop spoils, whatever, whatever. maybe I'm not a farmer. If I'm messing it up, I'm sorry. But there, there, there is a when there is a time of urgency of, of the harvesting, man. We all need to be a part of that. Well, we have to realize that the harvest is now. That God has has already sent, you know, has already paid sent His Son to pay the price. He is drawing on the hearts of men, and He needs you to co-labor with Him to bring in the harvest. By His commission, in your workplace, around the people that you are influencing. Okay, so give. So when you when you give, you impact that.